Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never have to have a spooky time. It's Ruined. Hey everybody, welcome back to Ruined. This is Hallie. And I'm Alice. <laughs> oh, oh boy. We're, we're, we're coming off hot right out of the gate. <laughs> Not even fucked up. Just kind of like, I forgot that I was like waiting for your last name as if people need that, but they don't. Maybe they do. My name's Hallie Kiefer. Yeah, you could be eponymous now. You're just Hallie, like Cher, Madonna. That's me, Hallie Eponymous. <laughs> Welcome back for our continuation of our Halloween extravaganza. We're covering horror classics this month, which is different from when we cover horror movies every other month, <laughs> in as much as that we have decided it is different. Yes, and we're deeming these classics with, uh, you know, only your expertise and my loose pop culture knowledge of the what way is important. it should be. Yep, not um, scientific or, you know, respected. <laughs> I do like you, I, mean, I feel like you evoke the idea of science a lot. It's like, what's science? How, what's study? How could they test? Something like this. Yes, but I, I feel like it would hold up to some kind of review, other peer reviewing. That's science, exactly. right? Well, yeah, eventually when we're put on trial for this <laughs> podcast, we'll find out the results. Yes. Um, but yes, as you probably know, hopefully you've listened to the podcast before, but every episode um, I ruin a new, ever more scary uh, horror movie for Allison. And that's because I refuse to see horror movies because I am too scared of them, but always want to know what the twist was. And our extra special treat for this spooky season, a terrible idea. I, I, yeah, I, I bad don't know what we were thinking. Terrible from the start. We are trying different kinds of Halloween candy. However, we have decided that we're trying to find the worst Halloween candy, which just means we have to buy and consume disgusting candy. Yeah, bad candy, which is Quite. like already shouldn't exist because candy should only be good. And yet here we are eating bad candy. And I guess it does beg the question is, why are all the candies, which we will cover over the course of the month, why, who, yes. who, why are they making them? Who's consuming them? Yes. It is what I want to know. I mean, I don't have that question about our previous episode where we discussed Whoppers because mm-hmm. I love Whoppers. And people do like Whoppers. Like, there are other yes. candies that, like, there are, it's a it's controversial, but it's not, like, a hard and fast, like, who is this for? It's divisive. We yes, have some other ones coming up that are just a who is this for. This is one right. that I also, I, I understand that people, I don't know why people like this, but I know that it is a thing. Candy corn. Candy corn. It's interesting because I I didn't even think this would be in the, our top five of to try. Yeah. But we got a lot of votes. So many people. The worst candy. And I guess I haven't had it in a while because in my mind, I'm like, it's an it's not great. Right. But I don't think of it as bad. Yeah. So I also, I thought before today that yes. I was candy corn agnostic. Like that I also I was, thought that. I really yeah. did. I <laughs> had the same feeling. Boy, am I wrong. I... I don't know how to explain it. Because I remember eating it as a kid, and I remember being like, this isn't my favorite candy, but if there was some of it around, I would definitely eat it. Yeah, and as a woman who has worked in an office, have I eaten candy corn because it was the only thing left? Absolutely. Of course. However, I'm going to eat one while we're on air. I had a small, uh, like, drug bag packet of them and ate (laughs) two, and then there were three left, and I was like, 
I can't have this in my house. It's disgusting. Um, I'm, I'm eating my here. I don't want to call out the brand, but I'm having sort of a more of an upscale brand with this yeah. gourmet candy corn. And this is so much worse than I remember candy corn tasting. It's like buttery sand. It is eating resin that is very sweet. Yes, sweet resin, like vi- like violin. Like I'm imagining, like what you. Yeah, like yeah, you could put this on a violin strings and play a concerto, <laughs> and it would sound perfect because it is not meant for human consumption. Yes, what's crazy is that like while you hated the consistency of a malt ball, I do. Yeah. I really liked that. I find this to be juxt- the opposite end of a spectrum. Like, whereas, like, a malt ball gives me, like, crunch, even though it's soft crunch, but it's, cr- like, this is, like, it doesn't melt in your mouth, but it is, it's like a, a glue. Yeah, it's a glue. It is sand. a glue. But you're right, because it has a grit to it. <laughs> yeah. I swear to God, I you know, I almost want to get, like, a different brand, like a cheaper brand, and try it, because I think the, the quote-unquote gourmet I don't know who the hell, what gourmet, what madman is is making this in his kitchen or woman. That's from organic corn. (laughs) And I think that I want to try some cheap ones. I think it might be better because I feel like the gourmet ones are trying to almost taste like a rum flavor or like a liqueur. Mm. And it is, it tastes like a a chemical. It's just pure chemical taste. Yeah. I mean, that's the, like, that's the problem with the concept of candy corn, I think. It's like, whereas other can't, like, I think of like, A chocolate bar, an M&M, like, and, and it, like those things taste like, a, like, I can't tell you what candy corn tastes like because it's That's not a, a taste. Point. Like, it yeah. doesn't taste like corn, it, even it, though I'm sure it's just corn syrup. Yeah. Based on this, it is absolutely corn syrup. I guess maybe the other problem is, like, is, is there just not enough in it? So we just taste corn syrup, carnauba wax, and artificial color? Yeah. Is I there like not I a taste, flavor? I taste the shape more than I taste uh, <laughs> the taste. Also, unfortunately for me, candy corn just reminds me of like bad teeth. Right. Like, like you they have a real your teeth. Yeah, they have a real teeth vibe. Boy, um, you know, honestly, I was gonna try to defend candy corn, but at least the ones we got yeah. are disgusting. Let's do the tasty scale, which is our, our edible version of the spooky scale. So it's out of ten. What do you how many out of 10, are you? So I put it? whoppers at a nine because I like whoppers. Dimensions but allowed. That, uh, yes, sure. I think that I would put candy corn as like a two and a half. Only because I know that there is stuff that tastes worse than this out there, but not a lot. I guess I'm also going to give it a two. I'm going to give regular candy corn a three. And the candy corn I got, I'm going to give a one and a half. So I'm going to say three. It's not good, but it's, I'm going to be honest with you. If this was, again, if I worked in an office and I was depressed and it's, three weeks after Halloween, yeah, and there's still a bowl of this, I know I could still eat it. Well, the the tasty scale also uh, is a shifting scale based on mood, I think. Right, and my like, mood is dark and uh, angry at yeah. this, and having to eat this. Yes, but the more depressed wow. I am, the higher, like, I could, like, really settle for a three or a two. Honestly, these are worse. It's bad. This is worse than Whoppers, and I, I'm honestly shocked that I would say this. I mean, I, finally. I feel like I'm betraying myself. When we I, have much true. worse candy to come for the rest oh, of the month, God. too. So just I, that's why I'm trying to save a little bit of space for, for the, the hell that we're Good about idea. to embark on as we continue on with this project. Absolutely. And if you want to torture yourself, please get yourself. We already did Whoppers. And uh, yeah. please get yourself some candy corn. And then let us know where it falls for you on the yeah. scale. Yeah, so far, let us know. 
you know, candy corn is the clear loser. Yeah, it is a loser. <laughs> so let us get into our horror classic for the week, a personal favorite of mine. We are, of course, doing The Exorcist. And hey. in case uh, it matters to you, if you're going to watch it um, before you listen to the episode, we're actually doing the extended version that was released in theaters in 2000 because that's the first time I saw it and I was oh. terrified. So it has a li- it's a slightly longer and a couple scenes that were not in the original movie. Why were they not in it? Well, I, I, there's some controversy. Uh, some of them are like style, like um, like narrative choices. Like I'll okay. call out. Um, okay. That I think were just sort of made. They don't just seem to mean to make notes. a ton of yeah. yeah. But then, for example, there's a very scary scene that the director at the time, and this is directed by uh, William Friedkin, and it was written by uh, author William Peter Blady, who also right. wrote the book. So I guess the director, there's a scene that I'll call out. The director thought it was too much too soon into the movie. Interesting. But then later in a different interview, he admitted, or maybe didn't admit, but he said, actually, the reason we didn't um, put it in the movie is that uh, the stunt actress is on wires, and they did not have the technology to make that look convincing. Oh, so they needed to wait until the technology caught up to the, the movie. And then I would argue that, to me, seeing it, you know, as a teenager in the theater, that was the most terrifying scene. So I will let you know when that happens. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, so this is the Yeah, so this is the director's cut, the longer cut. So I think it was sort of like probably just, it's already, it's quite a long movie. Yeah. And I think probably the studio's like, let's just wrap this up. You know, people get it. It's boogie. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Well, I watched the trailer. And oh, I've yeah. seen like, snippets of it in the world. Like, mm-hmm. I, haven't se- I haven't seen, like, actual full, like, chunks of this movie. But I have right. seen, like, you know, the scene of, like, her head spinning around. I think the things that, like, everybody knows. Yes, um, like iconic vomiting. moments. Like, ico- mm-hmm. iconic. She is a queen. Um, <laughs> uh, iconic moments from this movie. Like, I've seen them. So, And then, like, to watch the trailer, which had so little information in it, mm-hmm. was really, I was like, okay. Like, now I'm more scared. Because I don't know what we're getting into. Um, and then to take a baseline scary, which you always like to do for Allison, is how scary do you find the idea of Catholicism? Okay, because I was going to say, I think religion is scary. <laughs> it is just, and, and Catholicism being the, you know, I'm a Jew, so like it's always just extra scary to think about, you know, non-Jewish stuff. Oh, absolutely. I, um, uh, yeah, I, I completely agree. I was, uh, as someone who was raised Catholic, it's a spooky Yugi religion. Yeah, I studied a lot of it in college in my, like, English classes because it was, like, it's obviously, like, used for allegory and stuff like that. And it's, like, scary stuff. So I find Catholicism scary. Yeah, you were right. Um, and we and we sort of, that's kind of the fun of Catholicism, at least in my opinion. Like, it's kind of gothic and, like, it's dramatic and they love to put on a show and they have like the, they have outfits. You know, it really yeah. is um, a religion who understands the power of presentation. Pageant. Yeah, pageantry. pageantry. And I think this, this um, movie it sort of it catches you right in the middle. Like a lot of Catholics have been caught over the last 50 to 70 years of like belief and modernity. So sort of belief in these traditional things like exorcisms and the idea that like, well, probably historically most of those people were mentally ill or or psychotic. And this movie suggests, or were they? Okay. And then so as a subsidiary question to that, how do you feel about demon possession? Or the idea of, I guess, exorcism in general? I guess like in the scale of things that there are scary movies about and nightmares, like it's not super high on my list because like, 
I am not a religious person right. and therefore it doesn't fit. In the way that like you, when we talk about ghosts and like you're always like, ghosts don't exist, which I also agree with, but then I'm scared of things. Like, yes. But oh, like, yeah, I want to be clear. I'm still afraid of ghosts, yes, even of though I don't believe <laughs> they are be. existing. Yeah. But I think that like the general, like the concept of like demons and needing to like use religion to cleanse, like that to me just mm-hmm. feels as unreal as a lot of other paranormal stuff that we talk about. And like maybe even more so because I feel like it's so universally considered to be like wrong, like not wrong, (laughs) but like that, that this, that the, that the stories of the Bible are not true. That like the thing, right. They're metaphors, they're allegories. They're not allegories. It's not like a document, like, or it's not a documentary. Right. Exactly. Though there are people who believe in demon possession today and and believe that exorcisms are necessary to cleanse the the person of that um, spirit. Yeah. Well, even just like seeing like uh, footage of modern churches where people are speaking in tongues, like you're like, this is like, I know what this is, but it is still kind of like scary to see that. Yeah, a friend of mine, if she's listening, hi, Courtney, she worked in an office for a while and a woman would get on the phone and like, do like a, you call into like a church hotline and like do a prayer hotline and occasionally sure. would start speaking in tongues in the office. Oh. And I was like, to, I, just to have that self-belief would, yeah. be, re- would be transformative. To be like, I'm just going to start speaking in tongues in the office and nobody's going to tell me anything about it. Yeah, that is that is confidence. And so, do you have any predictions? Would you like to guess the twist, if there is a twist, in The Exorcist? Guess the twist. Since it's been in pop culture so much, mm-hmm. this is such a, like, classic, important horror film. I feel like I know the, ge- like, I believe the general thing, like, idea to be, like, she's possessed, and then I hope that at the end she's not, that something works. Great. But, you know, how that all happens, unknown. Hey, it's all, it's about the journey. It's not about the destination. It's about it comes to, the journey. When you're talking to exorcisms, it's all about the journey. <laughs> so let us begin. We open on a rainy block in Washington, D.C. So another fun movie that's not set in L.A. or New York. I love this. I yeah. grew up in Maryland, so I know the exorcist steps well. Oh, perfect. Yes. Yeah. And it is fun, like we talked about before, like to see a horror movie that's not in one of the two cities that most movies are shot in. Yes. It's yes. just great. It's fun. Um, and I guess they did have a scene where they go and see different landmarks, but it was cut out, which I understand <laughs> why a studio would do that. But they're like, this is not a guided yeah, U.S. Capitol tour. We don't need to see the monuments, but I would have enjoyed it. That would have been nice. Um, and sort of we see a, a rainy street in the Statue of the Virgin Mary to set up here, we're going to be in America. And then we cut to, we're in northern Iraq at an archaeological dig, oh. and, we, and we hear a Muslim call to prayer. And this is like many American horror films, sort of the Middle East as like a mystical place. Ah, uh, yes, othering non-white people. That's yes, exactly. Great. Oh, yes, one hundred percent xenophobic. <laughs> uh, you know, we're uh, such nightmares. Yeah, it's um, it's shorthand for yes. some bait right. And we see um, a boy go to get an archaeologist, and it's a priest archaeologist. His name is Father Mirren, played by the great Max von Sydow, who's so great. He just passed away this March, so shout out to him. (laughs) Um, He was 90. I mean, he had a great run. Yeah, no, no, no. That's, you know, reasonable. But he, interestingly, he plays, like, he's supposed to be, like, 70 years old and, like, sort of, like, frail. He's 44 when they shot this. So he is in old person makeup. Like, they clearly had to spend hours and hours on every day. Like, Why? Because he's great. And I think I mean, like, I he's such that. a good actor that we just are going to age him. But then, like, why can't he just be 44 in the movie? Like, how—I mean, maybe it's important that he's old, but, like, 
they do hew very uh, closely to the novel, so maybe they just thought like okay. we, we want have him, to but- stay true to this. Okay. Okay. And then, and we're going to see he's sort of paired with a different priest who's the young hot priest. So I think okay. they wanted to have the older, experienced exorcist and then the young, questioning hot Got priest it. who's in sure, good sure. shape. Great. So uh, they go to get Father Mirren and they take him and they have, much like in a lot of horror movies, found some interesting things in this dig. And he finds like an amulet um, on a necklace. And it's kind of, Great. he's kind of shocked. And then he finds a, the head of a statue, like a little stone statue with a demon's face carved into it. And he's immediately taken back. So we know he recognizes what this is. Okay. And we also see that he goes to get tea and he's very shaken. And he, they don't specifically say this, but he has a heart condition. So we see him taking a pill. He's medically frail. Okay, got it. So we see, okay, this is his issue that he's going to yes. ha- it's going to come up later in the yeah. film. Yeah, this is the Chekhov's gun of medication. Exactly. Yeah, we see someone take a pill with a cup of tea, we know that pill's going to come like, back around. That person's going to have some problems. And it is funny because he's just like in a market with all of these like Iraqi men and they're all looking at him like, oh, that guy does not look good at mm. all. So it's all Jesuits and priests. Everyone in this is like religious. So he goes to the dean of the university that's doing the dig and he's like, I have to go back to America. I just have to go. And the dean's like, oh, well, oh, I, so sudden. And right before he leaves, he goes to the dig, and he sees this giant statue of a demon that they've unearthed. And the demon's name is Pazuzu. However, because you know I hate when they name a demon, yeah, the demon's name that. is never said in the movie, either version of the movie. So how do you know? The name of the demon in the book and uh-huh. in the script is Pazuzu, but it's never spoken. It's out never loud. spoken out loud, which it's, I like better. We don't need to know the per- the demon's name. Yeah. Also, like especially that name, like in 2020, me thinking about it, it just sounds a lot like Popo Zao, which was Kevin Federline's single. Exactly. So, and the first line of that song is in Portuguese. It means "bring the ass." <laughs> so, right. Exactly. It would have really taken me out if I was hearing that word in this important horror film moment. Right, this, like, and thank you for connecting to an iconic moment in pop culture history that I'm sure everyone remembers. Um, so, yeah, so Father Beer then decides to bring his ass back to America because he knows on some level that's not spoken alive. Like, now that this demon has been brought back into his life, yes. something has happened. And this is all... This is all the same time, correct? Like, we're, yes. we're in present, like, he's leaving and yeah. we're back. At, okay, it's not like this happened a long time ago and then we're... No, this is present This is day. all now. Okay. So what we do find out is 10 or 12 years ago, he has done a... He did an exorcism somewhere in Africa and the demon that he drove out is the same demon, Pazuzu. Okay. So when he finds that amulet and sees that thing, and see, he's like, oh no, it is coming back to me, almost. So he goes back to America because he knows on some level I'm going to have to do another exorcism. Someone, it will come find me. Yes. So interestingly, he's kind of out of the picture for a while. Like he's sort of like, he's on deck to have yeah. to perform an exorcism. He's waiting. Exactly. So he goes back. Um, and then we're back in D.C. and we meet our other uh, major players, which is the actress Chris McNeil is played by Ellen Burstyn. And she lives with Reagan, her daughter Reagan, who's a 12 years old. And he's played by Linda Blair, very yes. famously. And, you know, there was a lot of controversy about, like, what Linda Blair had to do as a adolescent actress. Yeah, I do feel like I remember hearing a lot about it. But now I can't think of what any of those, like, controversies well, were. Well, we'll get into it. We can Good. discuss how we feel about it. I will say a lot of stuff is done by, like, stunt 
people. But yeah. I do understand the idea to like force, not forcing, hiring a child. And she's a child. She's not like 16. Even that, I'm like, right. okay, you're slightly older or whatever. There is something I understand people being like, man, they shouldn't have let a kid do this. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is upsetting, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. So I, I always want to highlight that. And so Great. we go there and uh, Chris McDeal is shooting a film at Georgetown. And it's sort of about this. It's set. It came out in 73. So like the movie is, I think it's like about the Vietnam War protests. Okay. So she's shooting um, at Georgetown. And uh, her director is this guy, Burke Dennings, who's a full alcoholic. But they're friends. They like know each other from way back when in LA. And he cast her. So he's sort of like this comically embarrassing drug character, but was, as far as we sure. know, well-meaning. And uh, so Chris lives with her daughter, Reagan, and her assistant, Sharon. And they're clearly renting, like, this beautiful townhome. Like, Chris is obviously, like, she is Ellen Burster. Like, she's famous. She's rich. Like, people recognize her. And they move into this townhouse where they're staying during the duration of the filming. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of uh, activity coming from the attic. Great. A lot of scribbling and scrabbling. And she tells their how their um handyman Carl, I think there's rats in the attic. He's like, there's no rats. There's not, it's totally clean. And it's mm. like, all right, we well, can nope. go check. Maybe it's a squirrel or something. It. I don't trust it. But he's trying to handle it. And we keep hearing these extremely loud sounds coming from the attic, but we're all kind of ignoring it. So they like, we're all busy. We're making this movie. In the crowd when she's shooting this movie, which is called Crash Course, which is a terrible name for a movie. A terrible name is Father Damien Karras, who is an absolute babe. Yeah. And he is our, you know, sort of, he is the counterpoint to Father Marin. Like, he is Okay, he's young, the young, hot priest. Yeah. And he's a psychiatrist for other priests. So priests come to him for oh. um, help. And he's, like, really compassionate and really loving. But also, he has sort of reached a point where he's really questioning his faith. So he's like, I don't know if I can be a counselor to these priests because I don't know if I believe in this anymore. Okay. And so uh, he goes to the head of either his department or college or whatever, and he's like, I, I don't know, uh, maybe you could take me off for a while. And, and the obviously the dean or whoever was like, please stay. Like, we can't be losing, like, a, a good psychiatrist who counsels these priests, you know? Uh, so we he's sort of in play, and we already see that he's, like, very compassionate, but sort of disaffected from his religion. His mother, she's, they're both Greek immigrants, so but he's been raised in America, Okay. And so his mother lives alone, like his father has died, and she refuses to move into a home. But, like, he lives in D.C., she lives in New York. So he tries to visit her, but he can't be there all the time. Yeah, that's a lot of back and forth. And she hurt her leg, so she can't, like, go up and down the stairs. You know, it's like that kind of, like, everyone has to deal with, like, when their parents get older. Yes. But it's like he doesn't have a family. He doesn't have a spouse or kids or, like, you know. And also, he doesn't make any money. Like, he's a priest. Like it's I not can't like imagine that any of, yeah, that, like, anybody in— which is weird because I think of the Catholic Church as having so much money. <laughs> well, I think that, like, I, I mean, like, I could be wrong, but priests don't really get an income because the, the idea is, like, well, we're paying, we pay your room and right. board. Maybe you get a salary, but it's, like— You must get some kind of, like, stipend to cover living. Right, you're not getting paid enough to be, like, I'm going to put my mother in like, a really oh, nice home. it's like, oh, I make $250,000 and I have a pretty good 401. Like, exactly. that's not— yeah. And so, um, at a certain point, his mother, she's got, she's having, like, mental decline, you know, um, in addition to these um, health problems. And she gets taken to a psychiatric hospital where she has to be for a little bit. And the only other person who meets up with them is um, Damien's uncle, so her brother. And he's like, okay. you know, it's funny, Damien, you know, like, if you weren't a priest, you could have become, like, a really successful psychiatrist and you could actually pay to put your mother in a nice home. And okay. I'm like, bitch, I- He's a priest. Teach him the yeah. best he possibly can. You but help. Of course, 
That makes yeah. him feel worse. You know what of I mean? Of course. So he's like at a really low point um, in his life. So that's what's going on with him. Meanwhile, Chris and Reagan like have like a really, really sweet. I, what I imagine, like if I have a child, like right before your kid goes into like puberty, where it's like right. they really love you and want to be your friend and want to hang out. Right before, like when they turn thirteen, it's like fuck you, mom. Yeah, you don't I tell hate you. What to you. Do. <laughs> so she's like, I want to get a horse. Like, like, okay. and she's like, you know, like a cute, yeah. still that cute age. Yeah. So Chris is home and she's sort of like, they're in the basement doing laundry or something. And she finds a Ouija board and she's like, did you take this out and play with this? And Reagan says, oh yeah, I've been playing with it by myself. And I play in Dr. Mr. Howdy, Cap, sorry, Captain Howdy. He communicates with me. Captain and Howdy. Captain Howdy. And Chris is like, well, you can't use it without another person, but let's play together. And right. so she goes to play it and the um, pointer leaps away from her hand. Which to me, I'd be like, we're moving out of the house. Yeah, we have to go. I don't even know where we're going, but it's not here. And there are a couple of moments like that. Like Chris goes into the attic and is trying to look for, oh, if it's a mouse or a rat or whatever. And then the flame on her candle just like bursts into a huge like fireball. Then it goes out and then it's like, oh, she's fine with it. But like, even if you're not going to ascribe that to a force beyond our world, Mm -hmm. even if it is scientifically science again, um, explained, I still don't want to live there anymore. 100%. Right, exactly. Like, I, uh, and maybe that's the thing is they don't know they live in a horror movie. We know they're in a horror movie, but they don't know yet. We're aware of, like, you know, the fourth Yeah. So, uh, Reagan starts doing other weird things. Like, she's basically like, I can't sleep in my bed. My bed is shaking. Um, And it's this whole thing where, like, her father didn't call her on her birthday. And I think Chris is sort of like, she already clocks that something is wrong. Even, like, in a in a horror movie, things would have to get, most horror movies, you'd have to get m- much worse. But Chris takes her to the doctor. And it's like, what's going on? Yeah. Like, she's acting unusually. Like, is this something, is this psychological? Is this, like, just, is she, like, rebelling? Like, I don't understand why she would, like, why is she, well, she's having a personality change. Right. And the doctor diagnoses her with the most 70s diagnosis of all time, a disorder of the nerves. Oh, God. It's so, va- it's like, like <laughs> women's trouble. Yeah, like that's worse than no diagnosis at all. Right. And it's like, and one of the, some of the symptoms she has is hyperactivity, quick temper, performance, and math. And I'm like, <laughs> isn't that just being, like, that's just puberty, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's being a teenager, <clears throat> kid. Yeah, so it doesn't, to me, it doesn't seem like what she's doing is so crazy, but things are about to get a lot Yet. crazier, so I get that. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, at Georgetown, a chapel has been defaced. And a priest is going to put flowers in the chapel like before Mass, and he walks in, he goes, oh, good Lord. And it's a statue of the Virgin Mary, and she has huge protruding, like, black and red pointy boobs, and then, like, a matching oh. phallus. Oh. Get a match with a free matching phallus. <laughs> Get a set. It's La Perla. Like, and, like a- something is like painted onto it and okay. to, in this in this blasphemous way. Okay. Seemingly unconnected, but of course we're going to find out. Of course they are. Yeah. So um while they're at the doctor, the doctor's like, you know, um, I also noticed like uh she uh seems to be swearing constantly and and it, lies all the time. And so they put uh, Reagan on Ritalin because the first thing you do is when you don't know what's wrong with the child is to give her a medication. Medicate it. Yeah. Stop. And then so, and as soon as that, like, um, Chris is like, should we see a therapist? Like, is this whatever? And they're like, no, no, no. Let's try this first. Yeah. And now it's so funny. It's like, what? I feel like now you'd really try to be like, all right, we'll have somebody talk to the kid and try to like figure out what's going on. Right. Rather than what we have is medication. We'll just put her on there. Yeah. Why don't we drug her and see what happens? Yeah. 
so then Chris does what you always do when your 12-year-old daughter is having behavioral changes and outbursts. You, of course, have a big swanky party at your apartment. Yeah, I think give her, like, overstimulate her, but yes. don't let her participate. That's Bring like a, a bunch perfect, of strangers. Yeah. To your drugged piano, up child. Late, yeah, late at night. Yes. Keep her up. You know what I yeah. mean? <laughs> so Chris is there, Sharon. Uh, Burke Dennings, the director, gets so drunk, they, like, force him to get into a car so he'll leave because he was trying to fight a caterer. Oh, he was trying to fight Carl. He was accusing him of being a Nazi. Oh, And um, so uh, while they're at the party, we don't see this, but somebody references Father Karras, who who Chris has not met yet. And we find out that Father Karras, so his mother had been unwell and was in the hospital, but then at some point had gone home. She died. Okay, and not only did she die, but she died, and then nobody found her for a couple days. So we don't know the time period, but it's at least been a couple weeks, if not a month or whatever, since we last checked in. She must have gone home, and then in between his visits, she died. So if he he felt guilty before, he feels way guiltier now. Bad. Bad, bad, bad. And and we see him the last time that we saw him together, he was getting her out of the psychiatric hospital. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm going to get you out of here. And she says... And she calls him Demi because his name is uh, Damien. He says, yeah. why did you do this to me, Demi? <gasps> no. Why did you do this to me? And obviously she's distraught and she's disoriented. Like, yes. she's not saying it to be mean. She doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, but she's just, for him, yeah. he's, he's like, going to carry that with him through the rest of his life slash this film. Because that was, if not the last time, the second to last time, let's say, yeah. that he saw her. So that's like, it now is weighing on his soul, right? So yes. we're at this party and all these people, like, there's, like, Father Dyer, who's, like, another priest from um, Georgetown, who is actually a priest in real life, which is interesting. Oh. And uh, also another hot priest. And, like, um, there's an astronaut there and all these, like, Washington, D.C. socialites. Because I guess yeah. Chris, we're supposed to think is, like, she's really famous. Yeah. And, so like, D.C. is full of, like, some weird, like, that you're not going to yes. get in, like, Los Angeles or something like that. It's, like, there's some people that, like, do stuff. Yeah, Astronauts. and like, I'm sure there's like politicians, like yeah, yeah. politicians' wives and like all this stuff, or husbands, you know. And so mm. finally it's the end of the evening and they're all playing at the piano drunk or whatever. And they turn around and Reagan is there. And Reagan says to the astronaut, you're going to die up there. And then she pees all over the carpet. Oh. And so Chris is like, okay, well now I know that this is not normal. No. So Chris is like, we've gone beyond the pale of like, oh, she's acting up or she right. has she's Hyper. hyperactive. And, yeah. you know, there's this, so she's estranged from her husband and like, you know, like her ex-husband. And he didn't call Reagan on her birthday. So that, that was sort of it was like, maybe she's acting out because like yeah. her father is sort of like doesn't talk to her, you know. So which is all reasonable stuff to explore. But now it's like, okay, she has an actual problem, right. you know. And so we sort of see, we cut between Damien sort of mourning his mother and having a dream where he sees her going to the subway and he can't get her and Chris taking her to all these different doctors, all these different treatments. Right. Reagan is screaming and fighting the doctors and like swearing. And so the doc, but the doctors are like convinced like it's a seizure disorder. She has a lesion on her brain. We'll have to give her the electroshock or whatever. Yeah. But like all of that is more understandable and believable than... Oh, 100%. What it is. <laughs> no, but like, I mean, but I also think like someone like, we'll have someone her, sit down with a counselor and talk about how she's feeling. You know what I mean? Like, right. they're not doing any of that. Where no, I they're like just now, like, I hope. diagnose her brain. And everybody's like, yeah. this? <laughs> and this is interesting because I guess the director, I don't know if it was, I think it was the director said, you know, there's sort of like, when this came out, like one of the things that people said was like, people were throwing up and like storming out of the um, theater. Like they were so scared. And the, the re- it was not the demon stuff. What they were reacting to is the scene I'm about to describe now, which is she has to get a carotid angiography. 
which requires them to put a gigantic needle into her neck and then thread a catheter into her neck. And there's like blood spurting out of it. It's the worst thing I've ever seen. And it's an actual medical procedure. Yeah, well, yes. Or it is a dramatization of an actual medical procedure. I have had things inserted through that artery. Um, and? I didn't splurt blood. Uh, it was pretty... Yes. I would like, imagine that this is pretty... It, like, I was like, there's no way... This is a horror movie version of it, but I did have, like, a, like a mesh net metal thing, like, inserted through my neck uh, and Were placed. you awake when that happened? I was in Twilight. Interesting. Which is, like... So I was, like, awake-ish. But, like, I don't really... Sorry, my microphone attacked me. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I don't really remember it after, like, you know, but, like, it did happen. But it's, like... But it wasn't super gory, but I could see, like, just anything happening... Like I With showed the up because yeah. I went to work the next day and I had this like giant like patch on my neck and everybody was like, "What is happening with you?" <laughs> yeah, anything with the carotid is like really scary. And I think that there's like so much like they also like they're they're doing like I don't know what you call it, like an ultrasound but like a '70s ultrasound, so it's like these loud banging near like a child's Ugh, head. No, it is very no, distressing. No, no, no. And, no. and every time the doc- every new test, the doctors are like, oh, her brain looks fine, her nerves are great, like they're not finding anything. And so finally, they get a uh, these two doctors, Doctor Klein and Doctor Tanny, that um, Chris has been working with, and Chris calls them. It's like you have to come to the house. They go to the house. Reagan is th- being thrown physically around the bed. Like, it's not no. anything a child could ever do. Like, she's not doing it. It's, she it looks like it's thrown. happening to her. Yeah, she looks like a rag doll. Like, she's being okay. thrown back and forth on the bed. Her throat bulges out like a bullfrog. And then her voice drops into, like, this spooky demon voice, which you will yes. probably recognize, yes, from the trailer and from and from culture. Yes. This, like, this demonic, you know, sort of, like, rasping, wheezing voice. And then she pulls up her nightgown and screams, fuck me. And, you know, just to be more distressing. And yes, eventually that's they, super distressing. They have to restrain her and sedate her. They then go outside. The two doctors and Chris are like, well, in our medical opinion, we we think he, she probably has a temporal lobe. Like, they're trying to, like, be it's a medical problem. And Chris is like, gee, she, the, how, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. it cannot be a medical problem. She is a 12-year-old girl. She's literally being thrown around the room. Even, like, me, who was like, Demons aren't real. Like, this, yes. if I was in a room where that happened and saw a person experience, I'd be like, we have gone beyond medical. And so I think Chris is like, if it's not, I'm, like, she's not even a demon yet. She's like, she must be psychotic or have some sort of, like, there is some sort of mental reason that she is doing sure. this to herself. I'll, yeah, like, we're not even at, like, this, uh, there's a force. But it's right. like, she's hurting herself. Her voice is changing. There's a psychiatric reason behind it. And the doctor's like, no, no, there's probably some biological, but there's nothing, everything's turning up normal. You know what I mean? And at one point they're like, do you keep drugs in the house? Like maybe she's like been taking Chris's drugs or whatever, but she doesn't. Then they arrive at the point where they're like, she gets the call. They're like, we think we should look for a psychiatrist. And Chris is in some way kind of relieved. Um, And and Chris gets that call and she goes home. We see the lights are flickering at her apartment, their home. And we see in the darkness the flash of a demonic face, like a Great. bright white face with a big eyes and, a, and sort of a black shading around it. So like we know that. there's an entity. Yes. The audience. When she gets home, there's a commotion at the bottom of these extremely narrow steps, which we've alluded to. But, yes. But we don't know what it is yet. And Chris goes to check on Reagan, and the windows are wide open. And so as she comes, she closes them, comes back down, and she's Sharon is walking in, and she's like, Sharon, why would you leave? Regan alone, even if she's asleep, 
You know she's going through all these medical problems. Right. And Sherry said, well, I didn't leave her alone. Burke Dennings was here babysitting her. And it's like, first of all, why would you leave a drug guy? No. Or a woman. You, anyway. Someone you know is, is visibly drunk alone watching your child. Especially, like, a child who is going through something. Like, I wouldn't leave yes. that person alone with, like, a healthy sleeping child, let alone one that is, like, getting flailed around and, like, screaming. Right. Best case scenario, a drug, a blackout drug person is taking care of your child at this moment. Yes. Worst case scenario, Best, yeah. somebody comes to the door, and it turns out that Burke has fallen, as we later find out, fallen out of the window and fallen down those stairs and broken his neck and died. Oh, so that's Burke cool. has died. So that's the commotion. That's the commotion. And then Got the it. question then becomes, did Burke just fall? Or was Burke pushed? Or some, th- some other force at play? Yes. yes. So they call a psychi- psychiatrist and Reagan's there with uh, Dr. Klein and to oversee. And the counselor, the therapist, does again the most 70s thing, which is immediately hypnotize Reagan to try to, you know, figure out what's going on. Smart. And the room fills with a terrible stench, and everyone is, like, gagging and choking. And Reagan eventually grabs the, um, you know, uh, psychiatrist by the balls and, like, attacks her oh, and yeah. all this stuff. But she does say during her session that there's a person inside her, but she doesn't know who it is. So, again, that's not much, not that helpful. It's not a lot to go off, but it does certainly lead us down a specific path. Right. So we know, watching it, because the name of this is The Exorcist, yes. <laughs> that there is somebody inside her. So we, so we, so now our our, our different storylines are trying to converge. So Father Karras gets visited by this detective, Lieutenant Kinderman, who's investigating Burke Denning's death, and he okay. thinks Burke De- Denning was killed, and he thinks his death is related to that, um, essentially the the Virgin Mary that was defaced at the church. So he says to Father Karras, "Now, do you are any of the priests you counsel are they like serial killers or like crazy or something?" <laughs> and Father Karras is like, "I think I would know if I was." counseling somebody who was doing that. We don't know. I mean, you think, but... So Kinderman is convinced that Burke Denning was, was not just pushed. He, his head was ripped completely around, and he was murdered. Okay. But then I'm like, okay, then what does he think is going on? You know what I right. mean? Where it's like, well, a little girl couldn't do that. Right. And there's no other man involved. Like, Chris or Sharon, I don't... Like, Carl's Right, it's old. not like a stranger showed up, killed him, and pushed him down the stairs. It was like, okay, I'm out. I need... There's nothing else I needed from this. Like, he, he does th- sort of suggest that at a certain point. I'm like, man, I guess this is why, like, most murders are not solved. <laughs> like, it's like... Yeah. <laughs> we're going really wide with it, you know? But now <gasps> Father Karras has, like, tuned into what's going on. So Chris is seeing, like... She has, like, consulted with all of these... There's, like, a room full of doctors... And we've established, we're establishing, like, they have tried everything. You know, they cannot figure yes. it out. And one of them says to her, now, are you religious? Or is your daughter religious? Because we could perform an exorcism. The victim's belief in possession is what helped cause it. So in that same way, the belief in the power of exorcism can make it disappear. I believe that. Yes, I I'll think that, that makes sense. Honestly, that sounds reasonable to me. And I guess what I think, they've just literally tried everything else. So it's yeah. like, what so else like, can you do? I guess this? Chris goes home, and, and she's sort of debating it. And she looks under Reagan's pillar, and there's a crucifix. But everyone else in the house denies putting it there. So I got to ask you at this point, Allison, what would you do? What would you do? Who, who am I? That's for you to decide. <laughs> yeah, for each character, tell me what would you do. <laughs> I mean, if I'm her mother... Like, I don't even know who to call. You know what I mean? It's like, you've really, like, exhausted all of your resources. Right. 
I guess I would have like 24 hour, like intense security and a bunch of medical professionals around and then just like systematically try like exorcism, other crazy things that seem unrealistic because you'd be like, we have to figure this out. I would also sedate her. You had no problem medicating her early on. Like, just like try and like trap her down and like sedate her. So at least like she's not doing all these crazy, terrifying, murderous things. Well, I guess we're to think that she is sedated, but it doesn't matter. Like if the demon decides that she's going to be active. Then that's it. It doesn't matter how much like morphine she's, okay. All right. Oh, and I completely forgot my favorite scene, but luckily it doesn't really matter because where we fit it in. But so my favorite scene is, when Chris gets the call being like, hey, we're going to have to, we're going to have to call in whoever we can. We're going to call in all these therapists and all these people. She gets home and you hear a running sound. Yeah. And when you hear a running sound in a horror movie before you see someone running. Like a patter? Yes. You hear a patter. You don't like to hear it. She turns and we see Chris's face drop. And we look and Reagan is spider walking like upside down. No. Down the stairs, and then no. she gets fast. She's booking it fast, upside down, crawling. And then when she reaches the bottom, she vomits blood. Cool. That's the scene that was not in the original movie because you could Wire. see the wires and they couldn't. Because I, I was going to say, how did that happen? But now that makes perfect sense. Yeah, it's it's a stunt woman who's like a a contortionist or something, and she was on wires. And I remember seeing that in theaters, be like, I can't. I can't go upstairs anymore. I can't go home. I can't <laughs> that go ruins anywhere. stairs for you. <laughs> if I hear that shit, forget no. about it. So yeah, I think I guess I would allow. I don't. I, I guess I would allow the um, exorcism. But I guess my concern is like, well, what if the exorcism makes it worse? Because I think we're like, once we're introducing the idea of a, a supernatural element, I okay. I what see. if we yeah. fuck it up? Like, what if something happens and it gets something else goes inside her, or like mm-hmm. something gets more control over her? It doesn't seem like a solution. It seems like, oh, no, we're opening up a whole bunch of dresser drawers and just yeah. taking things out. Yes, okay. But again, we've reached a point. She she has seen therapists. She's seen doctors. There's not a lot of other options. Exactly. Chris says, fuck it. All right, I guess we're doing this. And um, she eventually goes to meet Father Karras and says, hypothetically, what if what someone if? needed an exorcism? <laughs> And Father Cares is like, well, we don't really do those anymore because they're not real. And <laughs> I'm seeing this as a Catholic. It's like, right. look, we looking back, we realize now that um, most of those people were mentally ill. And it was sort of like, that was our understanding at the time, but now we're, we're past it. And she's like, okay, well, I'm just going to say that um, yesterday, I, which you, and you see this, she ran into her daughter's room and Reagan is stabbing her vagina with a crucifix. And then grabs her mother's head in her hands and jams her mother's face into her bloody vagina and screams, lick me. Oh. And so I think that's what, and then. Uh, I could see how that would be. Yeah. Troubling to see and do and, and all of that. Yeah. That's upsetting. That's upsetting to hear you telling me about it. I'm sorry. And then also in that scene, uh, Reagan's head turns around and she said in Burke's Denning's voice, and we know it's his voice because he's British. She yeah. screams, do you know what she did? Your cunting daughter. Oh. So I think we're supposed to be like, she killed Burke, for sure. Yes, of course. So And also, Chris already kind of suspected that was probably the case. because who That all, did who, seem like the most likely situation. If somebody kills somebody, it's probably the person who's going crazy and is possessed with some sort of devil. Yes. Meanwhile, Kinderman found where, Bur- where Bur- Burke's body was. He found the demon head statue of Pazuzu. So okay. Kinderman's like, okay, there's some sort of 
maybe it is a crazy priest or maybe it is like there is some sort of religious meaning. So he's going to keep trying to get involved, even though his involvement is not helpful in any way. No, of course not. And also, I don't know how he's going to figure out, solve the murder based on the information he has. So she, so Chris meets the father Karis, and he's like, I'd have to like get approval from the church. I have to have evidence, you know, that kind of thing. And the one good thing is that the devil inside Reagan, the demon inside Reagan, is not shy about showing itself off. It's not like she he goes to visit and she acts normal. Right. This demon is tack dancing, living out loud. It, yes, puking, head flipping. Like it's the demons here to put on yeah. a show. Well, it's like, if you're going to be there, like, be there, you know? Exactly. So he goes to see Reagan to be like, all right, I'll meet her and see what it's like. Immediately, she has a demon voice. The demon says, she says to uh, Karis, your mother is here with us, Karis. Do you want to leave her a message? She vomits what looks like green pea soup all over his face. Yes. That I've seen. That's like a, I think that's a scene that's like been part of the world. And he he splashes her with holy water and she screams. And then later he tells Chris, like, well, you know, that wasn't really holy water. It was tap water. So that doesn't really help the evidence. And it's like, you saw her, like, you saw right. her open a dresser drawer from across the room with, yeah. with her mind. We've passed the point of, like, testing things. Like, right, and, like, if it's not, if she's not possessed, then something similar is, it like, try the holy water. And then if it doesn't yes. work, keep trying. You know what I mean? Like, it's not. yeah. Like, I think it's like a square is a, a rectangle is not a square, but a square is a rectangle or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, sure. <laughs> she's possessed by something. Maybe the something is not hewing exactly to Catholic rules, but it doesn't mean she's not possessed. Right. And so eventually, you know, he's like, all right, you know, I'm going to go to the to the uh, bishop. And they go to the bishop. And the bishop's like, I, I mean, this does seem like there's a lot of evidence, but I just don't know if we could have him do it alone. And so we're going to have to call in someone who's done an exorcism before. It's Father Marin. So they're, they're, he's ready to go round to good versus evil, the battle over M Street. These two are going to meet up and eventually take on an exorcism. And there's a lot of, like, amazing lines that the demon says. Like, at one point she says, What an excellent day for an exorcism. In her, like, I really like scary, that. there's a lot of fun kind of campy lines or whatever. I like that it's fun. Also, you find out, so Chris tells Father Karras, I think Reagan killed Burke Dennings. And that's why I think we have to do this exorcism is I think this demon will kill people. And he's still trying to find evidence. Well, Marin is like making his way down to D.C. Father Karras records Reagan talking and then takes it to the language lab being like, I think she's speaking in tongues. The language lab says, oh, no, she's just speaking English backwards. And in, in her backwards English, she says the name Marin like over and over again. So the demon is calling for Marin to come to come to DC. Okay. Yeah. So Marin is summoned to DC. It is on like Donkey Kong. Like it's it's and he shows up to the house, and there's this the iconic like poster image of him like getting out of a cab and putting his hat on and walking yes. in. It's, it's misty, and as soon as he opens the door, walks in, we hear the demon scream, Marin, like <laughs> screaming his name, knowing like that he's there. And Kara says, okay, so do you want me to, like, fill you in on what's going on? And Father Barry says, why? And he gets like, I walked in and knew I was here to scream like, my name. Like, I know everything. Yeah, like, hunty, we don't have time. Like, I know what I need to know. <laughs> and that's the, that is probably my favorite part. He's that like, is really funny. I'm good. I think I, I know everything I need to know from walking in here. <laughs> And she's also, like, screaming at all. Like, so they walk in there, and they're, so the, the exorcism is like a rite. So um, they're going to do a, a ritual. They're going to say a series of prayers. There's, like, a find-out beginning, middle, and end. Yes. So they're going to do it, sort of like a mass. 
And they're going to do it together and see how it goes. And she's screaming things like, stick your cock up her ass, you motherfucking worthless cocksucker. <laughs> that is funny. Also, while I was watching this, I was eating an egg salad sandwich. I don't know what is wrong with me, but I was just like, how? Did you was, finish it? Yeah, and I did. It was delicious. It's from Convy in LA. But I was mm. like, oh, boom, 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 boom. I was eating a sandwich, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, she's just vomiting green bile. Yeah, like, not the whole exactly time. when I want to eat like a... Anything, really. Exactly. And so Marin tells Karis, the demon is going to try to manipulate you using, like, real things from your life. Do not let it. Yes. Okay? Obviously, the demon immediately is like, your mother sucks cocks in hell. Right. The demon is, like, talking to him in his mother's voice. Like, damn me. Why did you do this to me? Damn me. So he's like, oh, oh. you know. In his defense, it is very shocking to see, you know. That would be upsetting. It would be hard to separate that from, like, what's happening. Yeah, you're like, I know that you're lying, but also I do still feel really bad about that. And it's really right. mean of you to bring that up about my mother. <laughs> Why would you say that? At one point, she's yelling at Karis to fuck Marin. Like, fuck him, Karis. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> this team is going wide with going, it, you know? She is setting a scene. And so she's screaming at Karis, saying, you killed your mother, you left her alone to die. And so at a certain point, I think Karis starts to, like, lose faith. Like, we're supposed to think, like, he's so rattled, he can't focus. And so they do the whole ritual and it does not work. You know, the bed shaking, the 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 foundation of the house is cracking. She's floating off the bed, and they're screaming, "The power of Christ, Christ compels you!" Yes. And they're throwing holy water. But I think because Marin is sort of like he can't, he's so rattled, he it doesn't work. Right. So uh, I'm sorry, Karis. Karis yes. is so rattled, he it doesn't work. So Marin says, "It's okay. Let's take a break. Take a breather. Get out of the room because your lack of faith is starting to fuck this up. And we'll do it again. It's fine. We'll do it again." Yeah. So my question is now, Allison, who do you think is going to survive to the end of the film? Who will survive? I think Reagan. Mm-hmm. Um, she's our she's our girl. Mm-hmm. And uh, Marin. Mm-hmm. I want him to. Mm-hmm. And everyone else might die. Do so you think fa- fa- Father Karras, do you think he's... I think one of the priests has to go. Mm-hmm. And I think he's the one who goes. Yeah. I don't know if that. I mean, I have no idea. I like, I like your predictions. Yeah, it's just fun. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all handpicked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better, too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean... 
every time. Because messes happen. Because... I have a charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. All right, so both priests are exhausted. Karis is spiraling. Like, you could tell he's just, his, yeah. his head is not in the game, you know. And he's they're sort of outside on the stairs, like, kind of regrouping. And Karis said, why did why is this happening? Like, why is it picking this arbitrary little girl to do this? Yeah. And Meredith has this great quote. He's like, I think the point is to make us despair. Right. I was like, that. that's terrifying. That's terrifying. Meanwhile, as we remember Father Marin with his pills, his heart medication, he's he's fading. Like, he's, you know, so he goes into the bathroom. We see him take a pill. He does take it. But he's he's clearly looks weak. He's, like, sweating. Yeah. He's really white. Right, right. This is taking a lot out of him. And so Father Karras goes back into the room alone. And Father Karras sees, instead of Reagan, he sees his mother. And she's, like, sobbing on the bed. And obviously it's like, oh, she's a symbol of his failure, like, yes. as a, a son, but also, like, this is why he has to save Reagan. Is like, he failed to save his mother. It's like, he has to do this. But, like, he's so shaken by it. Marin bursts in, luckily, and tells him, like, get out of here. Don't listen to her. Right. I will do this alone. And this is the Amazon trivia pointed out when I was watching this on Amazon. It's like, this is not how you do an exorcism. You would never have a priest, one priest alone doing it. Specifically for this reason. I like that they gave that information. <laughs> Love it. And I, I guess they, they said, I looked it up, it's like, technically there should be four people in the room. Oh. There should be a priest, another priest in case that priest dies in the middle of an exorcism. Understandable. A family member of the same sex as the person okay. who's possessed, and an actual doctor. To like, I'm glad them, that they're like a doctor should be involved. Yeah, and I guess that's the thing about like, we're, like the run-up of like ancient medieval Catholicism against modernity. It's like, well, we should have... Yes. We should have a family member. That seems nice. And then I guess we should have a doctor. Of a some medical sort. professional. Yeah. Um, now we are, it is just Marin, who we already know is medically vulnerable. And he's going yes. round two, or I guess technically round three for him with this yeah. demon. They should have tried again the next day or yeah. the next morning. Take a break. Lock her in there and kind of. Yeah. And so Karis is downstairs and he's like so distraught, his head's in his hand. And Chris kind of comes up and, he's, and she says, Is she going to die? And Karis looks at her and says, no. And he goes back up the stairs to, like, go join Marin, and he opens the door, and Father Marin is fucking dead. Like, he is oh, dead. Oh, no! I was He has so had a wrong. heart attack. He's collapsed. Yeah. It took, he, he couldn't do it twice. No. So, now the only person left is Karis, and he grabs Reagan, and he basically commands the demon to go into his body. Like, oh. take me instead of her. Take me. That's and we tactic. see his eyes flash like that pea green. Yeah. And in that moment of when he's being possessed, he jumps through the window. So he would kill himself rather than either the demon leave for someone else or, or the right. demon have control over his body. He leaps and sacrifices himself. If you were possessed and killed yourself, would that end it? I guess the I implication, know. you know, the rules are never clear when it comes to demon possession. No, but it's true. At least in this movie, yes. It would free, it would force the demon back into the spiritual realm. Okay. And and so it could not leap from another body. Now, could somebody then use a Ouija board and then immediately that same spirit go inside them? I guess so. I guess. But at least in this moment, Karis has done the right thing. He dies. He falls down those same steps and okay. dies. And right as he's dying... Father Dyer, the one who was playing the piano at the party, runs over and gives him his last rites. You know, so sort of like as he dies, he yeah. 
he still has, you know, he gets to confess and he has like a moment with a friend. And needless to say, uh, Chris and Reagan are moving back to Los Angeles. <laughs> like they are done. <laughs> They're like, we are West Coast people. <laughs> we are out of here. So they, they pack up the house. Sharon decides to stay in DC, which is fine. They have this funny moment. Chris like, are you sure you want to stay here? And Sharon's like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and stay here. Like, I think I've had enough with your family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. And then Father Dyer shows up to, like, see them off. And Chris gives him the amulet. She's like, I found this in um, in uh, Reagan's room. And it's the amulet with Pazuzu on it. Why was it there? I don't know. But she she goes to give it to him. And he says, you keep it. And so they keep it. Uh, that's what. The, the, in the original movie, she no. gives him the amulet. And he keeps it. In the okay. director's cut, he gives it back. Oh. Take right. from that what we will. It's confusing. And so uh, so they're leaving, and Reagan sees, like, his priest collar and sort of kisses him on the cheek. She doesn't remember any of it, but she still feels, oh. like, moved by the sight of a priest. Like, I know this is some something good. Ha- you helped me, or somebody yes. helped me. And so right as he's seeing them off, um, the lieutenant Kinderman shows up, and they have a funny moment where she's like, do you ever go to the movies? Do you want to go to lunch or something? And I think it's sort of like <laughs> Father Dyer and— uh, Kinderman are both like man of the cloth and man of the law where it's like they walk away with no resolution. Like two priests yeah. are dead. They This could happen again at any moment. Right. We don't know why it happened. Kinderman can't solve the murder because no. the devil did it or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And that's the end. Wow. And we don't ever know why it happened to her. I guess we're to think that she did the uh, did a Ouija board. And that and summoned. She, yeah. I don't, like how, I don't like how loosey-goosey that is. <laughs> I want way more of a direct, like, this happened, then this happened. Yeah, and I, I see, I guess I like that it's, it's not clear. And I also feel like as a Catholic, that is sort of the message about exorcism, <laughs> exorcism. and demon possession. It's like, you do one thing wrong, it could be you, maybe. That's it. It could be anywhere. Any, yeah, you could murder somebody or something to be possessed. Like, you could fuck up. You could use a Ouija board. You know, you could use your mother's name in vain or something, and then demon Yikes. inside you. Um, oh, and I forgot. There's one scene I forgot. Sorry. This is like an incredibly long movie, so I was trying to hit all the beats. But there's one great yeah. uh, where he's looking for evidence of demon possession. And Sharon takes uh, Father Karras into Reagan's room and sort of like unbuttons Reagan's pajama top. And mm-hmm. on her stomach, being written from the inside, are the words, help me. Ah! <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad I glad I remembered that to tell you. That's a good great one. Great mental image. And that's so to me, I'm like, image. that's plenty of evidence. I think that that's all the evidence I would ever need. Yeah. So let's talk about some some fatal mistakes that people made in this, in this movie. Fatal mistakes. I mean, I guess Ouija boards. Yeah. Do not use a Ouija board. And not alone. I think alone feels like the real risky factor because like no one was like, we both saw that, right? We should tell someone. Like, it's just like her being like, yeah, that it worked. (laughs) Like, uh, living in D.C., near very terrifying steps. I feel like without those steps, two, you know, one murder That's and a good one, point. If they just fell out of a second-story window, they'd you probably might not be fine. Die. Yeah. Yeah, you might have broken your arm. I think, you know, the logistics of living near the very steep, tall steps is, is a bad idea. Right. I think mine, I, I, you know, I don't want to say don't be Catholic. I was going to say it, and then I felt bad saying it. No, but I, I mean, wanna... like, being Catholic does, it does involve you in a lot more demon possession than other religions right. might have. If you are not Catholic, you are not open to that. But I guess we're to think we but, don't know for sure. They yeah. aren't specifically Catholic. Yeah, it just so, is a Catholic thing. 
if Catholicism exists, I guess technically demon possession <laughs> could exist. Yeah, true. Um, so my question, I had a segment, how will we know when you're possessed? Oh. So, you know, so the first sign of Reagan's possession is like she starts swearing and acting out and acting completely unlike her. So what behavior okay. would you be doing that we know, okay, she's possessed? For example, for me, yeah. if if I start washing and blow drying my hair every day, <gasps> I was going to say hair call stuff. Call the Vatican, <laughs> honey, because I am possessed by the devil. I would never. I can't. I don't have the energy. I am similarly, because swearing would not be a tip off in any way. Um, if anything, that's how you know that I'm fine. Um, I was going to say, if I start showing up with like smooth, well, like quaffed, managed hair, that's not me. Exactly. You that's have been not replaced. Who I am. Yeah, also, if I um, if you see me drink a glass of milk, something Ugh. is wrong. I will slap it out of your hand and I will immediately call. <laughs> Thank you. I'll Thank call you. Georgetown and get a Jesuit out. Thank you. Yeah, I was going to say mine is if you see me eating any more of these candy corns. <laughs> yeah, candy corn. <laughs> please call a priest. And then finally, I wanted to do um, a little something called design your exorcism. Because I was thinking, like, let's how do we move like a bespoke, like when you imagine your exorcism, what it will be yeah. like. So, like, for example, instead of, for me, like, she's vomiting sort of green pea soup, I'll be vomiting um, Zuppa Toscano from Olive Garden because it's, like, one of my favorite soups. Oh, interesting. I, you know, I'm a tomato basil kind of gal. Love it. Um, if we're thinking about just kind of, like, the pureed soups, but it could be a potato leek. Oh, yeah. Are you thinking, like, a chowder? You want some chunks in there. Well, I feel like I, some, you know, depending on, like, how you prepare your potato leek, it could be very smooth and velvety, or it could be kind of a right. hardier, more rustic version. Right. We don't know if the devil owns an immersion blender, is what and you're saying. And that's actually the really, that's the question at the bottom of the Bible for me, is does the devil own an immersion blender? <laughs> you get to the end of the Bible and slam it, it's like, well, they didn't tell me. <laughs> is it a cuisinart? I'm going to have to keep reading holy books until they explain it. Um, well, we should wrap it up because this is a long movie yeah. and it's just so many spooks. You're going to have to go lie it's down. A lot, lot to talk about. Um, lay down in a brightly lit room. So, Allison, how do you rate this movie on the spooky scale? A spooky scale. Because I've seen some clips over the years and like, and because like demon possession feels just so outside of the world for me, I'm going to say a six. A six, okay. Yeah, and and again, old. We can talk about this at some point when we have enough time. But like older movies, if I imagine watching them now, knowing how our technology has evolved, it is a little bit like you can see behind the scenes a little bit too much. It, it like mm-hmm. dated stuff sometimes for this kind of scare feels less right. scary. You think the invention of Instagram would prevent the devil from taking over your body? Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm going to give it a seven. I still love this wow. movie. Not still. I mean, like, I love this movie, and I especially love it because I saw it when I was young, and it was so shocking. And I remember coming home from the theater, and ev- weirdly, everyone in my family was out. Usually, like, you know, I have siblings, so it's like usually someone was home. Yeah. And I came home to a totally dark, empty home no. in a windy night, and we have a big, sta- like, a staircase. Uh, oh, and I was like, oh, boy. That girl's going to run right down and scare me. Mm. And again, the spooky scale is simply how scary we personally found the movie, not whether it's a good movie. Yes. Again, love this movie. We'll yeah. watch it again in a heartbeat. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for listening, you guys. And if you've been enjoying it, please rate and review us uh, wherever you listen to us. It helps us, yeah. uh, I think, because of the I algorithm. Think. Yeah, subscribe, tell your friends, get spooked out with us. Yeah, and thank you for joining us. We'll be here all October. And then after that, every other month, yeah. make it as spooky as <laughs> Halloween month. In the meantime, please... Keep it spooky. Keep it spooky. Yes. Bye. Got you saying it now. 
Ruined is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.